Um, my daughter, Kendall, uh, is an ICU nurse at a Trauma One uh, hospital in uh, Minneapolis. And um, she was visiting a few weeks ago, and we were driving down the road, and a motorcyclist uh, flew around us. I was going pretty fast, and he flew around me, and he wasn't wearing a helmet. And Kendall said, that makes me so angry. And I said, why, honey? And she said, if he saw the number of deaths that I see on my unit um, from people not wearing a helmet riding a motorcycle, he would get one on. And she was very, very angry about it, and I kind of discounted it until I picked up uh, my Bible to begin studying the helmet of salvation. And then I began to look at some statistics. Do you know that more than 70% of non-helmeted motorcycle crash patients die at the scene of the collision? And the remaining 30% that are hospitalized are more likely to require intensive care unit treatment, mechanical ventilation, and are more likely to die in hospital when compared to helmeted motorcyclists. And it's not just motorcycles. Take uh, just any recreation vehicle, bicycles, motorcycles, ATVs, skateboards, scooters. Lack of helmet use was significantly associated with having a more severe traumatic brain injury and being admitted to the hospital. It's a proven fact that helmets reduce the risk of serious damage and death. They protect from traumatic brain injury and, and from, uh, from just trauma to the brain uh, overall. Without a helmet, you are going to suffer a head injury. And helmets aren't just a good idea for recreational vehicle, uh, vehicles. They're also used to protect the military, SWAT officers, football players, construction workers, you name it. You could go on and on about the, the importance of helmets for different things. But Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 that helmets are also important for spiritual protection. In the passage we're going to look at tonight, Paul draws a parallel that just like a helmet absorbs shock and protects the brain from injury in the natural, there's a helmet that provides spiritual protection as well. It's called the helmet of salvation. I talked to Kendi just before I came here, and I, I said, how is work going? And she said, oh, Mom, uh, I had a 16-year-old that I'm taking care of who was uh, in an automobile accident, and he suffered a blow to the head. Uh, and he, she said, without a miracle, he'll be in a vegetation, vegetative state for the rest of his life because of the head injury that he suffered. Injuries to the head are dangerous. If the brain is impaired... If all you get is a head injury and nothing else on your body uh, gets injured, that brain injury will affect the function of the entire body. And the same is true in the spirit realm. When we get a head injury, when we suffer mind damage from the enemy of our soul, the entire body gets, protect, get, gets affected. The helmet of salvation protects the Christian's head, his mind, because our minds need protection. Daily, our minds take hits and blows from the enemy of our soul. And Paul is saying in this passage that we need to learn to stand firm and that if we are going to withstand the attacks of the enemy, we have to have our helmets on. Our minds must be covered. I believe the biggest battles that we face as Christians take place in the mind. The enemy comes crashing into our lives, pounding our minds with his lies, with impure thoughts, with deception, with doubts, with discouragement, you name it, with anxiety, with fear. But God has provided a solution to the damage the enemy wants to inflict, and it's called the helmet of salvation. Much of spiritual warfare is about watching over the thoughts that seize our mind and try to capture our emotions. And that's what I'd like to talk to you about tonight. But would you just pray with me before we begin? Father, I really am um, at a loss, and I thank you that... When I'm weak, you're strong. That's your promise. And so I'm asking you, Lord, to be strong 
in this place tonight. Lord, would you bring clarity? Would you bring understanding? Would you help me to effectively minister your word? Father, bring things to mind that I need to remember. Let things slip off that I don't need to remember. Lord, this is your word. It's your message. And I pray, Lord, that it would not be a message of wise and persuasive words. But Lord, I'm asking you that it would be a demonstration of your Holy Spirit's power. Lord, take my mouth and speak your word in this place, Father. Illuminate your word, and I pray, Father, that a spirit of wisdom and revelation would rest upon each person here. And Lord, that you would take this word and wing it into the hearts and the minds of each of us, Lord God, and change and transform us, I pray in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Father, we just say the amen to that prayer, and we thank you. Um, that we're saying, so be it. Have your way in this place tonight. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Should be just about memorized for you by now. We've been studying it for so long, but let's read it together again. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. None of your battles is against a person. I promise you, no matter how nasty that person was to you, they are not your battle. Because your battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And take the helmet of salvation, verse 17. What do we know about the, the Roman soldier's helmet? Remember, Paul was in prison when he's writing this, and commentators believe that, that he would have been chained uh, with a Roma, to a Roman soldier. At least the Roman soldiers would have been there in his, in his uh, jail cell sometimes. So, but most commentators believe that he would have been chained to one. And so he would have had a lot of time to study that Roman soldier. And, and I love, because I, I think in pictures as well, uh, give me a... Give me a uh, flesh it out by letting me see a picture and I, I'm telling you paint me a picture and I can understand things better I'm great object lessons they're good for me it's how I learn and and so Paul is giving us an object lesson here he's taking something in the natural that those people would have understood that we can understand and he's drawing a spiritual parallel to it each piece of the Roman uh, soldier's armor he uses to draw a spiritual parallel and he's continuing in the verse we're looking at tonight the helmet of salvation. So it's important that we understand the Roman soldier's helmet if we're going to understand what Paul was trying to tell us. I have a picture, Don, do you want to put that up, of a Roman soldier. Look at that. They were fierce, were they not? Uh, and, and, and that's his helmet right there. And, and what we know about the helmet of a Roman soldier is that it was very beautiful. It was an, an ornate piece of armor. Uh, most commentators say that it was a piece of artwork, really. They were very proud of their, their um, helmets. Don, do you have the one, the other one, just with the, the plume? Just there you go. Um, and so uh, the, the helmet itself was made of bronze. It was fitted over an iron skull cap, and it was lined with leather or, or cloth so it could cushion the blow against the head. Almost like a sponge material, some commentators say it would have been lined with. And it had extra pieces of armor. You can see it on that first picture especially. Don, can you put that one back? Uh, that one, see how those pieces on the bottom there cushion his jaw, protect his jaw and his cheeks, his face uh, as well. Not just the head, but the, the, the jaws as well. So each helmet was very flamboyant and was topped with this huge plume of brightly colored feathers or horsehair. And that plume 
would, would uh, sh show the rank of that soldier to the people around them. Depending on how big that plume was, some of them went down the back, drug on the ground. Uh, that, would, that was really the ranking or the status of that Roman soldier. And, and, and the helmet, this helmet made the soldier stand out. It was part of his identity. It said you, he was a Roman soldier. It said it to everybody. It would be hard to miss him. He, it made him stand out. If you, if you saw a Roman soldier approaching you, it would be very difficult to miss him or ignore him. His armor made him noticeable, but especially that helmet. The helmet with his plume was part of his identity, as I said, in the midst of battle. You could pick him out, his fellow soldiers could pick another Roman soldier out, and, and, and they could distinguish who he was by his helmet. When he wore that helmet in the streets, <coughs> people could immediately identify them as Roman soldiers. It's such a beautiful picture that Paul was drawing for us here. He's saying that our salvation, the helmet of salvation, should make us stand out. It should make us noticeable in a crowd. Here is why people don't want our Jesus. Because we don't look a whole lot different than the unbeliever down the street. That soldier looks different than the crowd he would have been walking through or the crowd he would have been in the midst of. And you and I are called to look different than the unbeliever down the street. We should be noticeable. We should stick out in a crowd. I'm going to ask you a question tonight. Do you? Or do you blend in with everybody around you, with the world around you? That, that helmet was part of his identity. Can I tell you, the helmet of salvation is part of your identity. Salvation is everything that Christ accomplished for you on the cross of Calvary. It is so much more that, than you dying and going to heaven instead of hell. It's so much more than him saving you from a hell you deserve and delivering you to a heaven you don't deserve. Can I tell you, salvation is about delivering you from a, a, not just a, a, a future hell, but but a present hell. Today, the Bible says, is the day of your salvation, of your deliverance. <laughs> salvation is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You know that that word eternal, it means it starts the day you say yes to Jesus and it goes on through eternity. Do you, do you see that? We think it's something that happens when we take our last breath here on earth. It's so much more than that. That word salvation it encompasses so many things. I just want to read you the definition straight out of my Greek dictionary of salvation because unless you truly understand this, you're not going to get this helmet of salvation. Remember, Paul is writing to saints, to believers, to people who are already saved. Don't forget that. Because here's, I read every commentary I could this week about this. And so many commentators have different uh, views on this. Dave is going to teach on the, on the armor in a couple months at Grace. And I bet he'll teach the helmet of salvation differently than I do. Dave will, will probably, knowing him the way I do, he will probably teach that salvation, the helmet of salvation is you resting in the fact that you are saved and that you, are, you belong to God and you're going to heaven. But it is so much more than that. And yes, that's what a lot of commentators will say. It's so that the enemy, when he comes and says, oh, are you really saved? You say, I got my helmet of salvation on. I am secure that I am saved and going to heaven. And that is correct. It's a correct teaching. But let me just tell you what, salvation encompasses, encompasses so much more than that. The word salvation here, uh, it means, um, let me just read it. Healing, prosperity, well-being, and all the other benefits of heaven are ours here on earth to enjoy. When Christ saved us, he, didn't, he said he didn't just say, suck it up, you can look forward to heaven. Just deal with things here on earth the best you can, and hey, you got heaven coming. That is not what Christ died so that we could have. He died so that we could have abundant life here and now, eternal life that starts the day you say yes to him and reaches on into eternity. Uh, the word uh, salvation carries the idea of victory, restoration in a state of safety, soundness, health, well-being, preservation from the danger of destruction, the helmet of salvation. 
I'm putting on everything that Christ died on the cross to secure for me. And I am not going to let the enemy convince me that I'm going to live anywhere lower than that place of everything that Christ died for me to have. He will not introduce a thought into my mind that says, you are not this. When the enemy came to, to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, what did he say to him? What's the first thing he said? If you are the son of God. Not even a few minutes before, Jesus, on the, Jesus had the heavens opened up, the spirit descended on him like a dove, and the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That was the word of the Lord to Jesus. <laughs> and so he goes in to be tempted by the devil, and the first whisper, because the devil is a liar, he's a deceiver, he's an accuser, and the first word of deception that the enemy speaks to Jesus is, if you are the son of God, I'm going to just introduce a little doubt to you, and I'm going to make you doubt what God says about you. Do you see his tricks haven't changed? The temptation that he brings at you and I is the same type of thing. When he comes to me, he says, Rhea, you're not this, or you are this, when God's word says I am not. <laughs> Do you see? And he gets me to question what the word of God says about me, my identity. Remember, the helmet was the soldier's identity. It's who he was. Salvation is who you are in Christ Jesus, what he died for you to have, what he secured on the cross of Calvary for you to have. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When the, when the enemy comes and says, oh, remember what you did? How could God love the likes of you? You need to let your helmet be on your head and tight so that that lie can't penetrate you. And you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, but God couldn't love you. Oh, no, I am accepted in the beloved and dearly loved by God. That's what the word of God says. That's what he accomplished for me on the cross of Calvary, that there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Do you see it? But the first thing he says to Jesus when he's tempted him is, if you are the son of God. Wait a second. God just told me I was. But I love how Jesus responded. Jesus didn't say, oh no, what if I'm not the son of God? What if that's true what he just said to me? I'm going to receive that as truth. And He didn't do that. He came back at him with what? With the word of God, with the truth. And our minds need to be wrapped and immersed in the truth of the word of God. It needs to be the protection in our mind. The Bible says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. I, I gave you a handout. Does everybody have a handout? I just have so many notes that there's so many good things I want to say to you. So just pray I can organize them as I go through it. But I, I, I worked on this handout, and yes, I made it. So just there's lots of typos, and it's not straight, and it's, it's very um, not very artsy, but it's the best I could do. So the first thing I want you to see is I put up here two thrones because we get a choice here. Who we're going to enthrone, are, are we going to let, let's, oh, Jesus, just slow me down and help me to just one thing at a time. Turn your Bibles over to, let me just read you a passage um, that's going to be important for you to understand if you, or to hear before we look at this. Romans 8, verses four, 5 through 14. I want to read this to you in the Amplified. Don't even try to follow along. Just listen to what I have to say. For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, which gratify the body. For those who are living according to the flesh have set their minds on the things of the flesh which gratify the body. But those who are living according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit, his will and his purpose. Now the mind of the flesh is death, both now and forever, because it pursues sin. But the mind of the Spirit is life and peace, the spiritual well-being that comes with walking with God both now and forever. The mind of the flesh with its sinful pursuits is actively hostile to God. It does not submit himself to God's law since it cannot. And those who are living are in the flesh living a life that caters to sinful appetites and impulses cannot please God. 
For those who are living according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. If your mind, see, we've got to mind our mind. But the Bible says that where the mind goes, the man will follow. And, and so I'm just telling you, we've got to keep, we've got to mind our mind. We've got to guard our mind. And we do that with the helmet of salvation. We find out what was secured for us on the cross of Calvary. What are the promises of God for us? And, and then we need, to, uh, uh, we need to apply it and renew our mind with that truth. We need to fill our mind. We need to cover our mind, so to speak, with that truth so that the lies of the enemy cannot pass penetrate it because I promise you he is a liar. He is a deceiver. One of his names, devil, Diabolos, you've heard me say this a million times, Diabolos, one who comes alongside to throw. And he's throwing, looking for penetration. So Diabolos, the devil, comes to Connor and he throws. And he says, Connor, you're this. I don't know. You're... Um, Let's just use me. I don't even want to speak that over Connor. So he, he comes to me and he says, Rhea, you are worthless. You are no good. I don't believe that the first time he says that to me, but he continues to throw over and over and over because he's looking, Diabolos, one who comes alongside to throw. He's looking for penetration and he throws and he throws his accusations, his lies, whatever the lie is that you're vulnerable to, he'll keep throwing it till he get penetration. Nobody loves you. Nobody wants you, you're never going to amount to anything, you're whatever. Whatever the lie, whatever the deception is that he knows you're vulnerable to, he'll continue to throw until he gets penetration, until he gets through your helmet. And if you don't have your helmet on, watch out. Have you ever seen a motorcyclist who doesn't, isn't wearing a helmet, but his helmet is strapped to the back of his motorcycle? That always makes me chuckle because I think, what good is it doing strapped to the back of your bike? Yet that's how so many of us live our life. Instead of wearing the helmet of salvation, instead of being aware of everything that's available to us because of the cross of Calvary, everything that's available to us in the promises of God's word, we let it strap to the back of our life and we never put it on. We never benefit from the protection of it. And so Diabolos is going to come and he's going to throw and throw and throw until he gets penetration. Nobody loves you. You're worthless. You'll never amount to anything. Everybody's going to reject you. You deserve to be rejected. Nobody likes you. Do, do you see? You deserve this. Look at that. Look at that pornography because you deserve this. You work hard. And he sends the lie until he gets penetration and you come into agreement with that thing. So look at this. So the, the mind, the mind set on the flesh is death. The mind set on the spirit, the things of God, is life. Do you see it? That's as black and white as you can possibly get. Look at that again. Let me read it to the first verse to you again. For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, the things which gratify the body. But those who are living according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit, on God's will and God's purposes. The mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. Some of you don't have peace tonight. It's because of what you're setting your mind on. You haven't got your, set, your helmet on. You're getting, um, you're getting a head injury. You're getting a mind injury because of what you're setting your mind on. You're not choosing to set it on the things of God and, and the enemy. Do you know that the reason that the Roman soldiers, Don, can you put the, the, the bloody Roman soldier back on again? The reason the Roman soldiers wore those helmets is because their enemy had a weapon that was deadly. Do you know what it is? A battle axe. And a battle axe, I talked to you last week about the, the uh, flaming arrows and the flaming darts. Well, they could hurt your head, but a battle axe, it was sharpened iron. And they would just hurl it through the air, and, and, and it was made to decapitate somebody. They wanted to cut your head off. If they got lucky, they might get a limb. You know, if they didn't have a good shot, they might get a limb. That was good, too. But they wanted to decapitate their opponent, their enemy. And so you had to be aware, this, this helmet, the battle axe, could not cut through it. But that was the goal, to penetrate that, or better yet, to catch a soldier with his helmet off so he could be decapitated. Do you know that the enemy wants to cut through your mind? 
He wants to cut through your mind with his lies, with his deceit, with his blows. He wants to issue a blow because he's looking for penetration. He wants to decapitate you because the mindset on the flesh is death. And so if your mind is not set on the spirit, if you're not wearing that helmet tight, <laughs> and you don't have your mind set on the things of God, I promise you, decapitation is coming. I promise you, he's going to cut, his, his blow is going to cut into your mind. And you're going to find yourself filled with anxiety. You're going to find yourself filled with fear. You're going to find yourself filled with insecurities. You're going to find yourself fear filled with a lack of peace, a lack of joy. Because you haven't been wearing your helmet. You haven't said, nope, I'm refusing that in the name of Jesus. I know the truth of who I am. I know the truth of what's available to me in the spirit. Do you see it? Go back to your picture. So I, I started with two thrones because that really is the, the beginning part. You have to make a decision. I should have written the word or between those because you decide, will God sit on the throne of my life? Will I, be, uh, do, will I set my mind on things above? Will I, my mind be set on God or will my mind be set on the flesh? Will the flesh be on the throne of my life? Will I give in to every impulse, every desire, every emotion, every want that my body wants? Let me tell you. My flesh demands its way. It likes, it likes good food. It likes, you know, your flesh likes gossip. Your flesh likes addiction. Your flesh might like pornography. Your flesh might like, give me some more, hatred. Your flesh might like the last word. Your flesh might like to be catered to. Your flesh, what are your, what's your flesh like? Gossip, what else? Anger, what else? Fear, what else? Lying, sex outside of marriage, what else? Materialism, greed, jealousy, hatred. Those are fleshly appetites. Those are things that satisfy my flesh. And when I set my mind on those things to gratify my flesh, that will bring death. That's God's word. It's not Rhea's word. But when you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, what are the things of the Spirit? Anything in the Word of God. Then that will bring life and peace. So we have to decide who we're going to let on the throne of our life, who we're going to let rule and reign in our life. Will we walk in obedience to God's Word, or will we walk in obedience to what our flesh wants? You have to make up your mind. All right, so I've talked to you a million times, and you, some of you have seen this illustration before, but I've filled some things in for you. But we are a three-part being. We're, we're created in God's image and in his likeness. He's a triune being, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are a triune uh, being. We, we have uh, three parts. We, we have a body, this right here, that's decaying, because my body can decay, because I'm not going to need it forever. Uh, this thing is going to stay here when I go to heaven, and I don't need it anymore. So we have a body, and that body is strictly to get us where we're going, to carry our spirit man where it needs to go. We have a body. Uh, we, we, we live in a body. We have a soul. The soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Uh, it's, some would say it's your personality. Uh, but it's your mind, your will, your emotions, and then we, we are spirit man. We're created in God's image and in his likeness. God is a spirit, and those who worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. So we are a spirit man. So this is why when you come to Jesus and you make him your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that the old is gone and the new has come. That, 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 that you no longer live, but Christ lives within you. Remember that scripture? And you get born again. And you are sealed for the day of redemption. So what's sealed? Your spirit man. Your spirit man is what gets born again. Your spirit man is what's made new. Your spirit man is what the enemy has no access to whatsoever. You, you are a spirit man. That's the center section here. That's how we relate to God. He's a spirit. We're a spirit. We relate to God. That's God consciousness as in the spirit, okay? 
And then the soul, the soul, that, this is why you, you get saved, you really give your heart to Jesus, you're sincere about it, but you go home and you're still ugly, you're, you're still nasty, you're still unkind, you're still not gentle, you're, you're still filled with anxiety and fear. How does that work if that man is dead and gone? Because your spirit man is what is made new and your soul needs to be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. So turn over to Romans 12, 1. Romans 12, I think it's Romans 12, 1. Now that I say that, I don't know. Let me just double check. Yes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. You make this choice. You present your bodies uh, a living sacrifice. You die to what you want, what your flesh wants, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This is reasonable because of all he's done for you. And do not be conformed to this world. Stop being, trans stop being conformed to this world. But the world says this is acceptable. Everybody else is doing this. Well, <laughs> you're not everybody else. You're called to be conformed not to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So, and do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, to what the world says is acceptable, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, okay? So, spirit man is made new. He's sealed for the day of redemption. I still got some ugly. I still got some unkind stuff. I still got some anger and rage and, and jealousy and envy and, and gossip and malice and slander and, and bitterness and criticism, that's my soul. That's my mind, my will, and my emotions. My emotions say, be critical. My emotions said, get angry right now. My emotions say, be jealous right now. My emotions say, you know, have a pity party right now. That's my emotions. And that has not been made new when I accepted Jesus. That gets made new. It gets transformed when I start putting on my helmet of salvation and renewing my mind. So why we don't want to renew our mind, I don't know. Because that's where the transformation takes place. That's where we start looking more like Jesus, acting more like Jesus. So the soul is self-conscious. It's me, 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 me conscious. I feel like doing this, so I will. Do you see it? Um, that's your, uh, again, your mind, your will, your emotions. That's the psychological part of you. The spirit is the spiritual part of you. Are you with me? And then the body, that's the world conscious. That's the part that gets that I transport myself, my spirit, and my soul all around in. That's what you look at me and you see. That's the five senses. It's what I see, what I hear, what I taste, what I feel, <laughs> touch, yep. And, and, and so these are my five senses. And so that means I look at somebody and I, I get inflamed, I get uh, lust. My body sees it. My soul feels it. Are you with me? So the five senses are involved in the body. That's your natural. It's your uh, physiological. That's why I'm telling you I believe a lot of sickness, a lot of disease, is because that soul has not been transformed and made new, and it's manifesting in the body. You can argue with me, but I really believe that. Um, and so I, I put the fiery darts coming because the enemy's fiery darts come in. He's not aiming at my body. He's aiming at my soul. He wants to penetrate my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. You have a right to this. I, you feel this way, so act on it. And it's those fiery darts. Somebody offends me. That's a fiery dart coming. Be offended. Keep a record of this wrong. Say something smart back. Be nasty, be unkind, ignore them, give them the silent treatment. Do, do you see the fiery dart that comes? And I can accept that fiery dart, but if I put my shield of faith up and I say, nope, I'm not going to respond, that, that'll, be, that'll be extinguished. But if it gets through, that's where the helmet of salvation is going to come into play. So the shield of faith, I put that there. Again, it's spirit out, and, and the helmet of salvation, spirit out, the gifts of the spirit, or the... Fruit of the Spirit, I put on there, love, joy, peace, patience. I, that's spirit out. That's me obeying the dictates of the spirit, not of the flesh. So in the, the, um, the fruit of the Spirit passage, it's followed by the fruit of the what? Flesh. I should have put the fruit of the flesh on here. Because fruit of the flesh comes from soulish out, soul out. 
fruit of the spirit comes from spirit out. So when I have my mind set on the things of the spirit, because I want life and peace, <laughs> I'm going to have my mind set on doing those things. But when I have my mind set on the flesh, the, the, let's go to that passage. It's just coming through my head, so let's just flip over to it. Where, fruit of the Spirit? Um, yeah, but um, let's just see. i got to see if it's in there. I'm just thinking it is, but it may not be. Um, Jesus. Now, the fruit of the flesh, the works of the flesh, the fruit of the flesh are evident. They're evident. Everybody sees it. We think they don't. And they are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Anything yucky like that is a fruit of the flesh. So that's coming from that soulish realm. When we come into agreement with the enemy and we set our mind on the flesh and what it wants instead of on the spirit and what it wants. And so that's, that's this little handout. I don't know if that's helpful for you, um, but I, I just think it's important because our mind gets transformed by renewing it. Because the mind is the forerunner of all actions. Our, our actions are the direct uh, result of our thoughts. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, sow a thought and you'll reap a an action. Sow an action and you'll reap a habit. Sow an a, a habit and you'll reap a character. Sow a character and you'll reap a destiny. Our destiny is tied. It's, it starts directly with our thoughts. And that's why it's so important to guard our mind, to put on that helmet of salvation, to watch what you're setting your mind uh, on. So the helmet protects uh, if you look up the word helmet in the Greek uh, there in this passage, it, this is the definition. The protection of the soul, which consists in the hope of salvation. It's a, it protects our soul. It protects our mind, our will, and our emotions. Um, and so uh, when our minds are truly saturated with the word of God and truly convinced that all the truths in this Bible are ours because of what Christ did on the cross... It won't matter when the enemy comes with his axe head, with his battle axe, because we will be protected by, by what we're setting our mind on. And so, but if you're not confident in your salvation and all that it entails, if you don't even know it, here's what bothers me. This bothers me, church, I'm just telling you. Some of you, you, you we're going to talk either next week or the week after about the, the sword of the spirit the word of God, and, and using it to battle the enemy. We cannot even effectively use this armor if we don't have a knowledge of the word of God, if we're not storing up the word of God richly within us. We have time. I played three hours of pickleball yesterday. What is up with that? I, I found time to play, and I enjoyed every minute of it. It felt like 15 minutes, didn't it, Les? It felt like 15 minutes. I loved it. But, but I have time to play three hours of pickleball. But am I sitting in this word, soaking in this word, filling my life with this word? My mom used to say, Rhea, fill yourself up with so much Jesus that when the world bumps into you, all that comes out is Jesus. All that spills out is Jesus. We have time for everything else. But we don't take time for the one thing that will bring us life and peace. Are you wearing your helmet of salvation? We can't wear it if we don't even know uh, what, what, is, uh, what is ours uh, because of salvation. So um, there's a battle for your mind. We have an opponent, and he is coming to inflict damage. He, he wants to penetrate our minds so that we're thinking on, on the things of the flesh. On, on, we're thinking his thoughts instead of God's thoughts. So we have to keep our minds set on things above and not on the things of this earth. It's a mindset. We have to keep our minds set on him. Uh, somebody said, you know, when we, we have to choose to think like God thinks, we, because when we do that, we choose life. But, but here's what happens. Our life will not get straightened out until our mind does. 
Because where the mind goes, the man will always follow. We have to get serious about tearing down strongholds. We're, we're memorizing that scripture, at, at least Friday mornings, we're memorizing 2 Corinthians 10. If you want to turn there, I just want to read this to you. We're going to go into this in more depth in the weeks to come, but, but let me just read it to you. For we do not walk in the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We cast down arguments, anything that would argue with God's word and say this is not the right thing. Anything that is high and lofty that says this is better than what God's word says. You deserve this. And this, is, this is a better thing. You, you're, you're, you're more deserving of this. God's word is too rigid. Anything that exalts itself against it, cast it down. Bring it down. Take any thought into captivity that sets itself up against the obedience of Christ. So, so if I have a thought and it says, let's just use, mm, Masha hurts me and I'm angry and I'm really wounded by what she said. And I actually take that fiery dart as from Masha and not from the enemy. I actually think it was something Masha did and not something that the enemy behind her wanting to get to me has done. Because remember, we do not battle against flesh and blood. Masha is not my battle. It's the enemy of my soul who comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He is looking to destroy me. So he uses Masha. Let's say she's vulnerable. She hasn't kept her guard up. She doesn't have her shield up. She doesn't have her armor on. She hasn't put her helmet on. And she makes herself vulnerable to the enemy. He can use her mouth to get to me. And he fires his dart to me. And, he, and, and it penetrates because I'm in a weak place and it penetrates me. And I'm hurt by it. And now my flesh, because I've set my mind on that fleshly thing, and not on the things of the Spirit, my flesh says, I'm going to show her a thing or two. I'm going to be nasty to her. I'm going to tell her a thing or two. I, I'm going to give her the cold shoulder. I'm going to go tell somebody else about her and what she did. And I'm going to get pity from somebody else. And, and I'm going to ruin her reputation. And I set my mind on that. I'm in bed at night and I'm thinking, I can't believe Masha said that about me. And I'm going to say this when I see her the next time. And I'm going to tell her a thing or two. And I can't wait to tell so-and-so about what she did. What are they going to think about her? They're, I'm going to expose her. I'm going to let people know who she really is. And, and I have my mind set on my flesh. Because my flesh doesn't like to be hurt. My flesh doesn't like to be talked about. My flesh doesn't like to be wounded. And so my mind is set on that. And so the first thing I'm going to do, it's going to bring me death. It's going to bring me depression. It's going to bring me, I'm going to be full of anxiety. I'm going to be angry. I'm not going to be full of joy. I'm not going to have peace. Do you see? Or I can say, that was just an arrow from the enemy. I'm going to pray for Masha because she's really vulnerable right now. And so much so that the enemy used her to get to me. I'm going to bless her because she needs blessing because of that. And I, I don't battle against flesh and blood. She's not my battle. And, and I'm going to begin to take up my weapon that we're going to talk about next week, the, the sword of spirit. And I'm going to put on my helmet of salvation and say, I'm not what Masha said I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am dearly loved by God. He is my protector. He's my defender. He's my advocate. He makes even my enemies live at peace with me. I thank you, Lord, that I'm going to live at peace with Masha. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to, this weapon that's been, been formed against me is not going to prosper. That's my inheritance in you, Lord. And I, so I'm calling an end to it now in the strong name of Jesus. And I thank you that peace is mine, joy is mine, well-being is mine. I thank you that you're making my heart prosper because it's set on you, Lord God. I thank you that I have peace that passes is all understanding that I have joy unspeakable do, do you see and before I know it I'm able to come to Masha and just bless the socks off of her and not respond and react to her because I have my mind set on the spirit and I just want to please God and I know that if I react to Masha and slap her silly like I want to like my flesh wants to I won't I'll have death I won't have life and so I'm gonna bless her because Bible says I should 
pray for my enemies and bless those who curse me. So I'm going to bless her. I'm going to set my mind on the things of God. And then I'm going to fulfill his purposes in my life. And that weapon that the enemy thought he had with Masha is not going to prosper in my life. Do you see it? But we can't do it if we don't know it. The mind set on the flesh is death, I promise you. Your flesh is going to rear up. I told you a million times my biological father was a mortician, and, and he would work on dead bodies. And, and he would tell me stories how he'd be working on a dead body, dead body, and that arm, and an arm would fly up. And I'd be like, I would have peed my pants. I would have run out of there and never gone back to that place. But he didn't. He knocked that arm back down because he understood it was a dead body. It was just a muscle. It was just a... a I think it was a muscle a contraction, yeah. And so he just knocked that. He said, that's dead flesh. It just needs to go back to where it came from. And, and, and when your flesh rises up and it says, get even, it say that nasty thing, gossip, when it wants the gratification of being heard, being noticed, being acknowledged, being whatever, you slap that flesh down and say, no, when I walk according to the flesh, I, it's death. It's death. I'm going to choose the way of the Spirit because it's a life for me, and it's peace, and I want to live in a place of peace and of life. Do you see it? Your life will not get straightened out until your mind gets straightened out. Jesus said to the Jews in, in John 8, 31, he said to the Jews who had believed in him. These are people who had believed in him. He said, if, now if he's saying if, that means that that's not always the case. Do you see that? These are people who believed in him. So he's saying that to us tonight, to people who believe in him. If, which means you might not. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Oh, goodness, is that, does that scripture bother me? Because he said to the Jews who believed in him, these are people who say they believe in him. But he says, you're not truly my disciples if you're not abiding in my word. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't make that, I can't water that down to make you feel more comfortable. That if you are not abiding in his word and his word is not abiding in you, you are not truly his disciple. I'm sorry, you're not. That's God's word. It's in the red. It's Jesus speaking. If, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How do we get set free? By knowing the truth, by knowing the word of God, by, by, by immersing our head in the word of God, by, by absolutely, what's the word, not immerse, I'm not looking for, by, by um, uh, saturating our mind with the word of God. That's knowing the word. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Some of you are sitting here tonight in bondage. Some of you are sitting here tonight bound up in garbage and in bad behavior. And it's because you don't know the truth. You haven't let it penetrate, it penetrate your mind. Your mind is set on the flesh. He says, take the helmet of salvation. That means I have to do it. Nobody is going to do it for me. Rick Renner says this, and I just love it. He says, the devil knows that he, if he can seize your mind and fill it with lies, he can then begin to operate from this lofty position in your life. He can try to manipulate your emotions, send signals of sickness and disease into your body, and so on. To protect you from such attacks is the very reason God has given you the helmet of salvation. Oh, that's so, there's so much I just want to tell you. Um, we're going to talk more about bringing every thought into captivity in a couple weeks. I want to just look at that in more depth because there's so many, so many things I want to, to um, talk about um, with you. Just one last thing I want to tell you. I went over to Leslie's house um, a couple weeks ago, and they were gone, and she asked me to go in through her garage. And when I went into her garage, I opened up her garage door. Now, it's all cement everywhere. There's no ground, there's no dirt, it's just cement. <laughs> but when I opened up her garage door, this little beautiful weed was sticking up there, thriving. And it was green, and it was big, and it was, it popped up with a garage door. And I was like, what? 
There's no ground there. How did that happen? <laughs> but see, nobody had been home. And it was neglected. And nobody plucked it up. And so it could grow in an atmosphere that it really shouldn't be growing in. It could thrive in an atmosphere um, even though it didn't belong in that environment. It wasn't the right environment for it, yet because it wasn't plucked out, it was growing where it didn't belong. And all I could think about was the thoughts of the enemy. When he comes and he, he, he whispers a lie, when he, when he brings a deception, when he brings an accusation, and if I don't have my helmet on, it will find a place to land and thrive and grow, even though God says that's not the environment for it, that that environment needs to be different. It'll thrive because it's not plucked out. That's why we have to take captive every thought that is not obedient to this word. You can't afford to have a thought about yourself that God doesn't have about you. And you can't know the thoughts God has about you unless you're in his word. We have got to choose to start thinking about what we're thinking about because we have an enemy who is a liar and a deceiver and he wants to deceive us into thinking that the trouble we have uh, or the person who, who's hurting us is the source of our misery, the source of our depression or somebody else or something else in our life in reality is our battle and not him. Because he knows that if you really get this and you really begin to understand the source of every battle in your life is him, you won't be easy prey for him anymore. Anything that is manifested in the natural realm had a spiritual origin. And you've got to understand that. And that's why we can't fight it in the natural realm we have to fight it in the spirit realm. And that's what the spiritual warfare series is all about. So Father, thank you for every person here. Lord, I have so much I want to say. And I pray, Lord, that I said what you wanted me to say. And I pray that it would penetrate hearts and minds. That this word would fall on good ground. And that it would produce a harvest, Lord. Lord, I pray that every person in this room with an earshot, Lord God, would know how very much they're loved by you. How great a salvation they have. Lord, I ask that you take us in deeper, that you take us up higher. And Lord, that you would grant us greater revelation of who you are. And all that you want to do in our life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.